0: I'm Shelley Schlender. And I'm Beth Bennett, and this is How on Earth. Today is Tuesday, January 26th, 2021. Coming up, we speak with CU Boulder geneticist Tom Johnson about his world-renowned research into health span, longevity, and aging, and his recent diagnosis of Lewy body dementia.
1: One of the things that we've discovered extremely recently in the last couple of months is that we can develop compounds which are not only anti-aging, but also anti-Alzheimer's.
0: Today we're going to do something of a personality profile of one of Boulder's great scientists, one of the greatest scientists in the world, who did a lot to found the field of aging using a little tiny roundworm. His name is Tom Johnson. We asked him what his favorite music is, and he said it's Pachelbel's Canon in D. So you'll hear that music now and then. With me is Beth Bennett, another KGNU Science Show volunteer. Beth, for somebody who knows Tom Johnson, that might be you.
2: That would be me, Shelley. I worked with Tom for about 15 years here in Boulder at the Institute for Behavioral Genetics. So he had that whole big aging project going, working on these little nematode worms. Then he was looking for someone to get his mouse project up and running, and that's where I came into the picture in the early 90s.
0: Well, there you go. It's a small world then, and it's a lot of different animals that we can learn things from. Mice, worms,
2: But genetics are genetics. You know, genes are genes. DNA is DNA. It's all the same general idea. So once you get that down, you can kind of get it.
0: Beth, now that you've given us that introduction, one geneticist about another, let's listen in to Ariel Lavery, that's Tom Johnson's daughter, and her interview with Tom Johnson on StoryCorps. It's really a lovely interview. It will give us even more background about this famous geneticist here in Boulder, Colorado, Tom Johnson.
3: My name is Ariel Lavery. I'm 36 years old, and I'm here sitting with my dad in our mountain house. Today is New Year's Eve, 2018. Um, Dad, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, I'm Tom Johnson. Uh, Full name is Thomas E. Johnson. I'm a professor at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and I've been privileged enough to be working in science since I was a graduate student some 50 years ago.
3: Looking back on it now, do you think you were always destined to be a research scientist?
1: I think that without a doubt I had my calling very early on. I still remember sitting in a sixth grade class and Sister Libretto bringing to our attention some models of high-energy jet fighters and my being fascinated by that sort of technology. I knew at that moment that I wanted to spend my life doing science and not being an engineer but actually creating new knowledge.
3: Can you describe in layman terms um, some of the major achievements that your lab made?
1: Sure. The, the main uh, thing that I'm associated with is a genetic approach to slowing the rate of aging. And we discovered that we could, with a single mutational event, that is a single change in one of the DNA base pairs, one of the four letters that encode our DNA heredity, the single change of a letter for instance from an A to a T resulted in a alteration in lifespan changing lifespan from a few weeks to uh, four or five weeks. This was obviously made possible by using an animal, in this case a nematode worm, about the size of a period at the end of a sentence. And which has a very short lifespan of only two to three weeks. But in that model system, now both I and at least uh, a few hundred other people have identified literally hundreds of genes and thousands of mutational events.
3: It's funny, you had a certain relationship with the nematodes, obviously, because it was the animal that you were um, using for your research, and I had a different relationship I'm just thinking about it now where I guess it was sort of a mascot for our family because we always had these worm things around I remember a little clay worm that we made and then there was one that was a stuffed animal
1: right it was really long and you you would come into the lab and I would would give you I think a penny per tube for capping tubes for me oh yeah (laughs) and since I wasn't able to do this legitimately I had to pay you out of my pocket.
3: Oh, yeah. Because
1: you were my offspring and couldn't work for me.
3: Yeah, how, I wonder how many pennies it would take before I could buy a stick of gum back then.
1: It, it took you a couple of uh, rounds of filling these things, but you could do 20 or 30 in an afternoon you never seem to get tired of it. <laughs> I think we'd, be, we'd give you a quarter per box, and there were huh. 96 in a box.
3: Yeah, I, I do
0: remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ariel Lavery. In a StoryCorps interview she did with her Father Tom Johnson about 3 years ago. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is how on earth. My co-host on the show today is Beth Bennett, who also happens to be a geneticist who worked with Tom Johnson.
2: Like he said, these little nematode worms, they're a great experimental animal because they have a really short lifespan, but they are a fully functioning organism. They're not a single-celled bacterium. Just think that Tom figured out how to do this by having sister Labrato.
0: <laughs> you know, he, he had a lot of different things that led him to this field where
2: nobody else was doing this. Right. Yeah. He was definitely the first person to find a gene that influenced aging. And so, you know, he got a lot of backlash at first because the prevailing dogma at the time was that genes had nothing to do with it. We got old because we just wore out. And, you know, some people would wear out at different rates, just like some cars would die at different rates. Sometimes you get a lemon, sometimes you get a good one. But he really, um, you know, cast a lot of doubt on that prevailing model.
0: With his little nematode worms, by just tweaking that gene a little bit, he got the worms to live 10 times longer than they normally do. That's a lot.
2: Right. And the other cool thing that he was able to do, and this... You know, eventually turned into a collaboration with a lot of researchers, although some of them weren't all that collaborative. Um, but it turns out that there were a number of genes that interacted in some very unusual ways, some of which did produce really long lifespans. Most of these genes were in a single biochemical pathway that had to do with energy metabolism, which makes sense. I mean, now with what we know about aging, we know that With the mitochondria and variation in energy metabolism, we can produce a lot of free radicals that cause damage to the cell. Variations in the genes that run the mitochondrial pathways make sense in terms of causing aging or slowing aging. Yeah, whether the body is going to be in let's divide, divide,
0: divide, and put off making repairs, or the body says, let's let our cells be really well-maintained so that they each last as long as possible.
2: Right, and now the worms have a really unique feature. When life gets hard for worms, like if food runs out or it gets really cold and they can't find mates and they can't you know, reproduce, they go into a sort of hibernation.
0: Yeah, it's called the dour state. Yes. And the dour state, I tell you, Beth, this last year, 2020, I kind of wanted to be in a dour state of hibernation.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but, but it's interesting, too, because in some of Tom's research, he got to see that nematode worms, those little round worms, will go into that state of hibernation if their nutrient level isn't at a good spot. But he also found out that some of them will just keep wiggling around and being their normal little worm selves. We've learned so much about the potential for human health from all of this.
2: Yeah, and he was also one of the first to come up with this idea of hormesis. So that if you stress the worms, like this is something that um, Gordon mentioned in his interview that you did with him recently. You know, A little bit of stress is a good thing, and it kicks on the body's defensive mechanisms and that will slow down aging.
0: Yes, Beth uh, Gordon Lithgow is another researcher who, like you, worked with Tom Johnson at CU Boulder. And so many different concepts have come out of the Tom Johnson group.
2: Yeah, he is a very smart guy. We had a lot of really great, productive interactions and conversations.
0: Okay, I'm going to go back to this now, which is Ariel, three years ago interviewing her dad. There's another link to health span and aging that is in Tom's personal life. I'm going to see if I can find that spot in here.
3: So this past fall, you were diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. Does it feel strange to you now to be experiencing a progressive disease of an aging body after your life's work has been to study aging on the genetic level?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely uh, ironic that uh, the very things that I spent my life looking at her now, coming back to harm me. Uh, It's almost like there's uh, retribution going on between the universe and my opening a small bit of the curtain that covered one of these unknowns.
0: I don't think that's what's happening here, Beth, to you. I don't think that the universe has retribution against Tom Johnson.
2: No, no, I think it's just karma, if you will. I mean, we're all going to develop some aging disease or condition that'll take us out of the universe, and it just is a little bit of ironic that Tom developed a dementia because that's so close, you know, to what he studied, as opposed to, say, cancer or heart disease.
0: There's always a possibility that the irony here is an opportunity because he did tell me some things that he's been studying and some things he's doing that are a little
2: outside of the box. You got to think outside of the box and be creative in science, but at the same time, when you do that, people push back, you know, because human nature is it's hard to accept something new. So I hope he can make some progress with these new thoughts. Yeah, and um,
0: anyway, let's see what else he has to say here to Ariel.
1: It's been a um, a tough thing to accept, but I'm learning more and more that if I set high goals that maybe I can achieve tiny goals along the way. Right now, I've decided that I'm gonna focus on making a 90, which would be another 19 years.
0: Beth Bennett, you've heard about the Washington Post article about Tom Johnson and the brain-destroying disease called Lewy body dementia. Sure, yeah, I did read that article. Can you tell us a little bit about what Lewy body dementia is? Because Tom Johnson
2: has had this now for at least three, maybe four or five years. Yeah, I think that's when I was first told about it. Uh, Lewy body dementia is one of several dementias that in Parkinson's dementia is included in this group. And so when we talk about Parkinson's,
0: that's the one where neurological damage means that somebody has trouble walking. They say, okay, I want to walk across the room and they might freeze
2: right and that, yeah there'll be tremors the tremors become worse and worse over time and in some people the disease culminates in a dementia and usually that's if people are going to die from parkinsons it's usually related to that
0: now Lewy body dementia is a different thing and in the washington post article uh, tom johnson told the reporter that it started for him with this odd sense that He was seeing little puppies running around his house.
2: Yeah, I've read that hallucinations are one of the possible symptoms. And it's called Lewy body because um, it's characterized at the anatomical level by an accumulation of these little globs of gunk in the nerve cells that are called Lewy bodies, apparently after the first person who noticed them. And the reason that it's in the same family of dementias with Parkinson's is that the stuff that gets packaged up in these little globs of gunk, it's the same protein in Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's dementia.
0: It's the beta amyloid plaques, or is it the tau proteins?
2: It's called alpha-synuclein, and it's the source of part of the plaque that contributes to Alzheimer's.
0: It's that ooey-gooey, licky stuff you don't want to have in your brain.
2: Right. And so your nerve cells recognize that it's gunk, and what they do is they package it up. But then your nerve cells get full of it, and then they don't work as well as what they're supposed to be doing. As well as that protein, it's gobbed up, and so it can't do what it's supposed to be doing either.
0: Boy, so it's a big problem of not getting the trash out
2: not getting the trash out and it turns out that some of the trash is stuff you really want to keep but because it's packaged up in a brown paper wrapper that makes your nerve cell think it's trash it goes out with the trash too
0: okay so let's keep this in context we're hearing from tom johnson from roughly three years ago i got a chance to interview tom last week he sounds fine this is a progressive disease, though. People say that Tom's doing remarkably well, but he knows he has Lewy body dementia. So let's see what he tells Ariel about it.
1: OK. Even though my body is frail, my mind doesn't feel like it's uh, losing much of its strength. It is much of its rigor, but it is losing some of the strength. I find it difficult to concentrate more than a few hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, when I look back at getting through grad or through undergraduate school at MIT, where I felt everybody in the room was smarter, smarter than I was, uh, which was true. Half of the class got 800s, and I was a little bit short. So I learned how to deal in an environment in which I thought the cards were somewhat stacked against me. And that early knowledge, I think, is... Uh, important in deciding on a future that I want to try to put into place.
0: So Tom is saying that even when he was an undergrad, he he didn't always concentrate as well as the other guys.
2: (laughs) But he had to work a lot harder, and that's often what gets you places, is hard work. Yes.
1: So just this morning I made a few phone calls to see if we can move forward in developing yet another attempt to bring fresh funds to my lab from the National Institute at AJ. And we may or may not succeed, but we're going to try.
3: I can't wrap my my mind around um, how it must feel when you said that this feels like retribution from the universe you know, for your life's work. Um, It's,
1: I think, been a, perhaps not a fair trade, but uh, a trade that makes sense and which I would do again.
0: Yeah. Good. That's some of what Tom has said in this interview with his daughter, Ariel. I'm going to compare this, if you don't mind, to some of the things that he said in his latest interview, and let me see if I can find an interesting part.
1: There's such a need on many people's parts to extend their period of healthy activity.
0: My guess is most people, if they knew that they were going to live a healthy life, but it'd be shorter, they would probably choose that over a longer life that wasn't as healthy. What do you think?
1: I think you're exactly right. I mean, what we really want to do is be cognitively intact as we m- move through our various stages and spending 15 years in a muddy state due to the high concentrations of Lewy bodies like uh, I'm seeing in my disease. This would definitely be preferable to destroy the pathway leading to the accumulation of this Lewy body substance, even if it meant loss of a couple of years of, of life. One of the things that that we've discovered extremely recently in the last couple of months is that we can develop compounds which are not only anti-aging but also anti-alzheimer's. And we have just begun to really study this phenomena, uh, and it's all based or almost all based. On work in that's uh, going on in our lab, we're using C. elegans rather than mice or human cells.
0: Tom Johnson, scientists have been saying they're finding stuff like this for twenty years, and then they try it out in mice, and they can make it work in mice, but it doesn't ever work in people. You know all of that. Why are you thinking that this new thing that you're doing might be better?
1: Well, it's a new it's a new drug that has not previously been shown to have these effects. Every study that we've done using this drug shows a statistically significant.
0: What is the drug? It's
1: not yet patented, so uh, I'm not going to be able to tell you that. We are at a point now where we could use uh, really a, a lot of financial support to bring this rapidly into human tissue culture cells and into other uh, species especially mice and maybe rats
0: I know you can't tell me the exact chemical formulation or the name of this what is it kind of like that I would know
1: well not knowing what's what you know i I couldn't really with any assuredness say right now it, it I think the the safest thing to say is is little about it because we really don't understand what's going on we we know the Precise phenomenology is very replicable, actually one of the most replicable uh, outputs that I've seen in my lab, and probably m- better than most uh, most studies coming out of other labs as well. It's really easy to get over-enthusiastic and forget to do things like uh, count how many cells the worm has. And it could well be that that's a tidbit for your you and your reviewers as to where the Motive action of this drug might be, but we, we'd really love to, to bring that into the public domain, and so uh, as soon as we can uh, replicate these studies in higher organisms, we will be moving onward with great uh, alacrity, I hope.
0: I'm Shelley Schlender. My co-host on the show today is Beth Bennett who also happens to be a geneticist who worked with Tom Johnson. Beth, I wouldn't expect somebody as articulate as this. There's not much change in how Tom spoke with his daughter three years ago and the kinds of things he's saying now. I'm talking to a week ago.
2: Right, but I think that is characteristic of Lewy body. It's more expressed in sleep disturbances and sometimes in motor function. Some people, it affects their cognitive behavior, but a lot of people manage to escape that particular pitfall.
0: Tom is still working as a scientist. He's still looking for ways to improve other people's lives and looking for some clues on how to have his own life be with as long a health span as possible.
2: Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the aging disorders of the brain, like Alzheimer's and Lewy body and Parkinson's, share some common pathways. So it's not surprising to me that he could be finding some kind of compound drug, whatever, that might affect aging in general, because a neurodegenerative disease, it's going to affect your rate of aging and you're going to age faster. Although I did hear that his wife, Vicky, put him on a vegan diet when he first got diagnosed and that could have a beneficial effect. Because he did mention that to me, that his wife,
0: Vicky, who is a... Anesthesiologist. She is this really fit tennis
2: player. She's very fit. She skis and bicycles, and she I think she used to play rugby.
0: And she also is a vegan.
2: Yeah, I used to meet the two of them for lunch at this little vegan cafe over in uh, 29th Street.
0: What kind of vegan? Because there is the vegan cookies and vegan ice cream yeah.
2: vegan. <laughs> well, I'm sure v- Vicky is the really healthy kind of vegan. She wouldn't be eating chips too often. Now, Tom, he might sneak a few chips here and there. (laughs) You know, a lot of people call Alzheimer's diabetes of the brain because they think that it's related to energy metabolism and high-carb diets, things like that. Stuff that can gunk up the energy metabolism of neurons is a big deal because your brain uses about 25% of your energy. Neurons are really demanding little cells they're always doing something no matter if we're awake or asleep our brains are always active and so those neurons are busy cells they don't get to rest like our muscles if we're just sitting around doing nothing if you're providing energy to your neurons in the form of carbohydrates and then that goes straight to the mitochondria unlike you know a high fat diet which is what of course Gary Taubes talked to us about a couple weeks ago then you know, you could be gunking up those neurons with the debris from excessive mitochondrial activity.
0: Not everybody agrees that a low carbohydrate diet is a way to deal with brain disabilities or with diabetes.
2: This is a really contentious area in science right now and there's so a few people at the Buck Institute, for instance, that really ascribe to this hypothesis of carbohydrates and their detrimental influence on the brain. But it's not accepted very widely. Here
0: we have a scientist, Tom Johnson. I hope you're listening to this and you call us (laughs) if you have controversy or questions about it. I can see him shaking as (laughs) he's listening to this. But he's also working on this. He's working on this more at the molecular level. He mentioned to me that there's going to be a chemical that they're looking at right now that seems to be doing a lot in C. elegans, and he hopes that he gets a lot of research funding so that they can start the mouse model studies right away. Beth, do you think he's going to figure out something that people don't expect?
2: Science is very collaborative these days. No one person can do everything on their own. So I think he probably has his you know, fingers in a lot of different collaborative pies, and he could run with that.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate your weighing in on this uh, great scientist who is from Boulder and basically founded the field of aging research.
2: Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. He made a lot of contributions to it. He redirected it. And everybody that works in the aging field is aware of him and his contributions to it.
0: Right here in Boulder, Colorado.
2: Right here in Boulder. Yeah. Small, as you said, Shelley, small world.
0: He's not done yet.
2: Nope. Nope. It takes an inquisitive mind to ask the right questions, and that can turn things on their head. And hopefully he'll get to do that.
0: I'm Shelley Schlender. My co-host has been Beth Bennett. We've been speaking with CU geneticist Tom Johnson about his life as a scientist, his latest findings, and his recent diagnosis of Bowie Body Dementia. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show was produced by yours truly, Shelley Schlender. Additional contributions from Ariel Lavery and her StoryCorps interview with her dad, Tom Johnson. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Pachelbel's Canon in D. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.